0: Let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you that we can call you Father, and that your Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us for this moment. Anoint us for a powerful program that we would serve well all of those who are listening, listening now on the radio or on the podcast, and in whatever way, whatever timing. Lord, may it be a beautiful moment of breaking in, a beautiful moment of encounter with you. Lord, give us that grace to live well in the present. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, it's great to be with you. Uh, We we haven't been around each other a lot this past week.
1: I was in Boston. Oh, that's right.
0: If you remember, but just before... I left I left for Boston last Tuesday, a week ago, with my two boys. The three current men got on a plane and flew to Boston to be with my dad. And we also got to see my siblings. This was the sort of makeup trip that got canceled because of COVID back around the 4th of July. And so um, we spent several days there. Um, but that was shortly after you just returned on Monday of Labor Day weekend. You had gone to visit your family, and I stayed behind to work on my real estate classes. So, Which
1: is excellent. I'm so proud of you. And it's, yeah, we hardly get any time together. It's really sad. <laughs> we hardly talk.
0: Oh, you're so funny. Uh, Carrie, that's called being facetious, folks. <laughs> Carrie and I do a pretty good job of, or were you not? Were you, you don't think we spend a lot of
1: time? Talking? Yes, okay. we
0: do. <laughs> we spend a lot of time talking. Well, today on the program, lots of stories to tell from the trip. I, one of the themes that for me um, showed up in Boston was uh, a moment when we were, um, we had a, I think it called an Amazon Echo. Like my dad has a number of um, handicaps and 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 disabilities that make it difficult for him to Um, accomplish a lot of basic things. And so he ends up using um, like those little Amazon and Google, like Like those little microphone things, not like an Alexa, but they have an echo there. And so at one point my boys were like tag teaming, taking turns, telling them what song to play. And at one point, John Luke said, dad, what's your favorite song? And he said, it's happiness is here and now. I mean, he went to like all these like old time songs that they liked growing up, but he said, happiness is here and now. And and what he was doing was he was like trying to convey a message. He was trying to convey a message to, to all of us who were there. Um, When he has a chance to kind of be the teacher, he likes to be the teacher. Is this John Luke? Oh, my dad. dad? Okay. And so, um, so John Luke asked my dad, asked his grandfather, what's your favorite song? And, And he said, Happiness is here and now. When he tried to start singing it. <laughs> he doesn't have that gift. He Did you all start laughing? He didn't have the gift. Well, you don't really laugh at your grandfather or your father. right? It's not very honoring. So uh, so we found it and started playing it. And he was he was in heaven. And, Wait, uh, are you going
1: to start singing it? Do you have that gift? It
0: was like happiness is here and now. I don't know how the song goes, but it was happiness is here and now. Like, don't worry. Like, don't get so like, like built up around life (laughs) that you miss the moment, like you miss the moment because the moment that you're in, the present moment is the place where you're going to experience God. And that was the message he was bringing to us. And, 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 and I think it's a, it's a powerful one. It's a powerful one. And, and and so today in the program, one of the, in one of the segments, we'll have a chance to talk a bit about the way in which our memory, which links us to the past, burdens us in the present, and the way in which the future uh, harasses us in the present through imagination. And so those two like dimensions of time, the past through memory and the future through imagination, can crowd out the way in which we can experience peace and life and, uh, and joy in the present moment and I think that it was um, it, it was it was a powerful message and it, it got me reflecting on it. I've been thinking a lot about it I've been thinking a lot about the past and the future versus just living in the present and oh to to top all of that off today we are talking about this on the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, because one of the most challenging experiences that we have in life is suffering, and suffering is always felt in the present. And when you're suffering in the present, when you're experiencing like tremendous anxiety or fear or 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 literally physical pain or emotional pain or relational pain that suffering in the present can feel like anything but a triumph. And it can feel like it does anything but an exaltation. And yet today, on this feast day, we are celebrating something that the church identifies as a triumph, the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, and I think that that is, that, that's a really, um, it, it should get us to stop in our tracks. It should get us to stop in our tracks and say, how do we as Catholics, like wrap our minds around and uh, understand the dimension of suffering as it plays a part in our own journey as disciples of Jesus Christ? And so, uh, so today, Carrie, we'll have a chance to, to reflect a bit more on that and uh, I see you You have a book open here. This is uh, <laughs> Interior Freedom. And so are you trying to find a
1: quote? Is there a good quote? Oh, I'm just structured? trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, no, I was just reading the whole section about the most painful suffering is the suffering we reject. And so it just goes into this whole area of how in our culture we avoid it at all costs. But uh, the cure of ours says peaceful suffering is no longer suffering. And just that whole acceptance and the grace to accept it. And then just what that means, which is so beautiful because we often in our culture avoid it. And so how do you do that and be open to it and accept it? Even when you talk about past and future, there's so much um, pain and worry and anxiety that can come from memories and the imagination of the future. And it's how do you surrender that and live in a place that you're just released and he talks about earlier on in his book being relaxed in faith, and uh, it's just so cool because it's going to the heart of some of the just emotional tension we are feeling right now in our culture and in what's going on in our world. And to be able to walk it with Christ and walk it in the present and walk knowing He's by your side, it can bring incredible freedom. and and relaxation and joy. And I just feel like I've been robbed of that. So I'm going to give you a different word for
0: um, relaxation. I'm going to give you the word rest. Nice. To be able to rest in the here and now. Right? I think that my philosophy professor, my spiritual director, Father Mark Noonan would say, we don't know how to be present in the present. We don't know how to experience presence because we have a, an inability, when we fail, to be still, to rest, to simply be in the moment, be present in the moment, right? When I think about uh, the, the battle to be still, the battle for a contemplative being present in the moment, that is, I mean, being attacked on... On, and I don't want to say on every side. It's being attacked principally through smartphones. Like when you and I were talking about um, uh, addiction and its connection to the internet, I would say that, um, let's say five years ago, that was principally connected to the concept of pornography. And, and that was something that was exposed. We, we would have a great amount of uh, stewardship and, and a sense of alertness around what are our kids getting exposed to. But you said something that was, uh, it got me thinking, and it's like, yeah, you know, I think you're right, that one of the, like, major uh, sources of being robbed uh, in terms of being present as adults to our families or to our own lives or even to that concept of resting, of uh, to use Father um, Philippe's. Uh, Jacques-Philippe's phrase, to relax, to be able to settle in and rest in the moment, are smartphones. Smartphones are making us dumb, right? Smartphones are, are robbing us, crowding out, being present.
1: I think what I was talking to you also about, Tom, was this whole comparative experience you have when you, when I go on Facebook or Instagram, and I've deleted both of them from my phone and then added them back, and then deleted them, and then added them back, and then deleted <laughs> yeah. but, and it's again, it comes back to what Jacques Philippe says, yet there has never been a time when people were so weighed down with guilt as they are today. Girls feel guilty for not being as beautiful as the latest fashion model. Men feel guilty for not being as successful as the inventor of Microsoft. Now, I'm not sure if guilt is the right word, but there's a way in which, you know, going up into the right, we've talked inferior. about, yeah. that you're not a winner, that you're not um, living in this contemporary culture, just you're weighed down by what's going on. And and he says in his book, Tom, um, under God's gaze, we are delivered from the constraint of having to be the best or perpetually having to be winners. We have a deep sense of release because we don't have to make constant efforts to show ourselves in a favorable favorable light or waste energy pretending to be what we are not. We're simply, um, we can quite simply be what we are. There's nothing, no better form of relaxation than to rest like little children in the tenderness of a father who loves us just as we are. And this was a whole chapter on acceptance and freedom and acceptance. And I think when I was reading this, it was really speaking to my own soul, just the struggle of, am I enough? Do I measure up? Do my kids measure up? Does my marriage measure up? Does our home measure up? Do our finances measure up? And there's, you know, this inner struggle of, well, how do you find rest? How do you relax? How do you release that to God and, and accept where you are and be content? It's, it's just a real struggle I have. Yeah,
0: you're not alone. Um, it, that idea of letting go. Like, that's what you're talking about. How do I surrender? Yes. How do I let go? How do I give over? And, um, I think that people are are better at like trying to battle and then just saying, I quit, I give up, but giving up isn't giving over. You can quit and still cling on to something. You can, you can quit. Just say, I just give up trying. And you know what? The, the source of that pain is still there, but to resign, to resign, that's the spiritual attitude of resignation means to give over to entrust to surrender to pour out to empty out and that you know what that's a that's a gift
1: you know that's father, a grace father jack actually talks about that and he actually uses a different word he says it's not enough to rebel against who you are and where you're at or to resign but he says to what was the word he uses? a c word to be content To be content with it, does that sound? Oh, no, consent. So it's not I just accept who I am and resign. That's a sense of resignation. I accept it. But no, to give consent to God. You created me like this with my strengths and weaknesses. And I'm not settling for mediocrity. I'm always striving for holiness. But Lord, I give myself the consent to be who I am. How do you explain it? Let me give you, I'll give you two other words. (laughs) Way better at this than I am. No, 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 that's good. I
0: think that, um, and and again, it's... uh, that was originally written or spoken in French and then it was captured and then it was translated into English. And so um, the idea of consenting to one's own being is to affirm.
1: Oh, that's a great way of saying it. I
0: will affirm that I, that the person that I am is good. And the way that father Noonan would say it, the way that he taught me was that I learn to live well with my limitations. That The process is the following, that when I encounter my limits, when I encounter my brokennesses, I bring them to the Lord. I I bring myself to the Lord as a person who happens to have these limitations. So I don't identify myself with them. I come before the Lord as his child. Oh yeah, and as this child who happens to have these limitations or brokennesses um, or these areas that are, are fundamentally challenging. And I give myself over to the Lord And I make myself available to have him heal me, transform me, unbind me, to release me. And there will be all of those things that happen in different parts of my life. But in the end, some of those areas aren't going to be healed here on earth. And that's where Father Noonan would say, our task is not to keep asking for healing, but to allow a different kind of healing. The healing that says, I accept myself as I am. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So Kerry, I was just saying before the break that um, to sort of, to, to give my father Noonan way that it's come to live in me is to learn to live well with fundamental brokennesses. But those, that, the, those very brokennesses are not going to be healed here on Earth, but the healing is to learn to live well with those brokennesses. Does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah, I think when I was reading the book, it was that even though resignation and consent mean the same thing, it's the attitude of your heart. So he was saying in the the acceptance or being given consent, it's Lord, you're, I have faith and hope and trust in you that you are going to um, love me for who I am and the way I am. And it's, so it's not this... Like depletion, it's no, God made me this way, and I find great hope and joy in how He's created me, even in the weaknesses,
0: even as a person who happens to have these limitations. yes,
1: limitations is probably a better word than well, I guess I mean the same no, it's not limitation,
0: so- weakness, brokenness uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things and, and Father Noonan was someone who experienced some fundamental limitations regarding like um, neurological processing. And so the idea of spatial awareness, things like that. And these were things that he didn't get healed of, but the healing was that he became ever more aware of how these limitations were impacting his life. And he learned to relate to himself differently as someone who had these. And that was what you said. Father Philippe used the phrase attitude. And attitude is how you relate to something. And so... We gain an attitude and we gain a way of relating to ourselves as someone who has these limitations and then say, well, what do I need to do to live well with that? So, for instance, someone who is quick tempered, someone who is um, someone who is has a personality that is very, (coughs) very active, always wants to be doing things, someone who is um, highly intellectual. Right. All of these different things you, you could you could point to and you could say, well, I need to learn how to live well with that, because that's a brokenness that I have. In some ways, I could point it to people who like um, have have a tendency towards have uh, have an, an addictive personality. Right. There's a there's a there's a certain addictive quality. Like not everyone has is drawn to the same attachments. Right. Like I like gambling. Right, you like maybe drinking, right? So if you if you just said those examples, uh, I, I'm not drawn to drinking. I am drawn to having a good time. Let's just <laughs> clarify
1: that drinking
0: thing. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I I'm sorry, but th- just that idea of saying that there's an urge or a pull or a tug within us towards certain expressions, and if we're not attending to ourselves with a sense of carefulness we could have a, um, that tendency begin to manifest itself in dark ways in our lives. And I think that's what happens for a lot of people, is that they don't have sufficient awareness of, you know what, I've got this broken tendency in me. And so what I need to do is learn to live well with that tendency. It's not going to just simply go away but I need to respect myself and reverence myself as someone who has that limitation. And I'm not going to like put myself in situations where that tendency is going to lead me into spiritual darkness, lead me into sin or brokenness.
1: Yes. Uh, His book, I mean, if you're interested in this, he goes into this in quite a lot of detail. Just when we refuse to admit that we have these defects or these weak points, we're marked by this event or we fall into this sin, Um, we can also block the Holy Spirit's action since we can only, he can only affect our reality to the extent that we accept ourselves. It's not accepting our sin, but it's saying, Lord, this is a weakness I have and I wanna be accepting of how you created me because that allows grace to flow.
0: And you know, Carrie, that's a great point. When I think about this though, um, I think that one of the, like. Like these two enemies that we have are not just things coming from the world, but things coming from our own lives, right? I think about what makes it difficult for me to accept myself with my own limitations in the present. Well, it's words that have been spoken to me, deeds that have have happened or things that I have done that I carry with me into the present. And so it's the weight of memory. It's the weight of the memories that um, have a Um, a harshness on the present. So the Catechism is a really beautiful and powerful passage. I think it's 2853 about the Holy Spirit purifies memories. The Holy Spirit will purify memories connected to sins, connected to misdeeds either that have been done to us um, or things that we've done. And the Holy Spirit will purify the memory so that we have the ability to move into forgiveness, reconciliation,
1: even towards ourselves. Yes. Right? Now, did you experience that because you were in Boston and it brought back memories of your growing up there? I, I wasn't really thinking
0: about it so much because of that. Um, there was a way in which um, being with my dad in Boston and having my boys with us, um, we we were asking him questions, like asking my dad questions, and he would talk a bit about memories connected to the house and connected to bringing us up things like that. Um, and his, um, his brother was there visiting as well. And so that was sort of a delightful thing because it, it got a whole other dimension of the dynamic going in the home. Um, and so that added a richness to things. Um, for me, I think it was more from the, Uh, time that I spent with my siblings and cousins. They came over on Friday night and then we and we're in the man cave playing poker, right? And playing cards, which was I guess a a longstanding tradition that they do there uh, on Friday nights or every other Friday night. And it was it was cool. Every like, I don't know, every half an hour there was like a toast. Are right? you serious? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let's toast this. Let's toast that. <laughs> and goodness. and people were taking turns doing toasts. Oh, right? that's so sweet. It was. It was. It was. It was endearing. Um, but a lot of it was connected to memories, right? So there was just a lot of banter back and forth with my cousins, my own age, right? The how head. many? How, like five guys, or uh, they were. Well, we ended up having ten uh, or nine, nine or ten guys at the table for most of the night, um, and including. This is kind of funny. Um, I tell the story about my conversion happening because two of my older brother's friends left the Catholic Church. They weren't practicing and both became fervent anti Catholic Christians. Um, Well, one of them was there and he was there uh, playing cards with us, and uh, he has come back to the Catholic Church. But, uh, you know, talk about a connection to the past. You know, little did he know the part he played in helping to drive me to the priest and to Jesus and into that encounter. Um, But one of the things that one of them said was, yeah, I just turned 60 years old, one of my cousins, and he said, I feel like
1: I'm 12. Being there in that environment or just like life's gone by so fast? Life has gone by so fast.
0: Life has gone by so, so fast. And it's like, when I think about my own life, I don't think of myself as a 60 year, a 6060 year old man. And how it's like, what, what happened?
1: Like, where did that all go? And I, I think at this age, you just don't want to think about it. It's like, if I stop and no, think I'm you. 52. That, yeah it's like i think i'm like 35 i don't know i don't think or want to think about it it just feels old or what i what i
0: don't what i don't like is when i look at people and think oh they look at me as being about the same age as them and in fact they look at me as being the same age as their father <laughs> <laughs> or their grandfather <laughs> right and it's like wow i have no idea how old they think they i think i am Until I see other people who come to find out they're a couple years younger than me. And I'm like, man, you look so old. I always
1: think of it as how I looked at my aunts and uncles when I was in my 20s. Like they were so old. And now I'm like, oh, all my nieces and nephews are looking at us like we're the gray-haired aunts and uncles. So this is
0: where I come back to my dad and the song that he liked. Happiness is here and now, right? It's, It's don't worry like live in the present moment. It's there that you'll encounter life and joy and peace and, and, and you can be still and you can experience that communion of persons. And and that's what was happening. It was like, when I think about the trip to Boston, it, was a, it wasn't, um, we created more memories. No, it was a series of events, like the event of just literally having breakfast around the table and just enjoying that conversation. And then the event of, oh, we went here and did this activity we went to to the Red Sox game right we we had a, a beautiful event it was it was the power was in the moment. the power was in the moment, just experiencing that uh being at the Red Sox game uh in, you know in that moment and, and it becomes a good memory, right It becomes a good memory um, and so uh, I, I but I do have a confession. Uh-oh. keto went out the window oh. during my whole time in oh Boston. the whole time. yeah, there was oh, a I didn't reason know why
1: that. let me guess. Okay. I don't know.
0: Well, there was something across the street from oh. our house. <laughs> What's just across the street from our house in, in Massachusetts? <laughs> they call it Duncan now, Duncan right? Dunkin' Donuts. Don't now they just call it Dunkin'. But they haven't, that sign <laughs> hasn't been updated.
1: Excuse me. I've had a so, cough. Um, they just, yeah, Donuts isn't as healthy sounding just like Dunkin'. Um, that is fun. Well, and that's one of the Better parts of going there, as far as food memories, is we always go over and get donuts and coffee from there. Yeah, but three times a day? Did you go over there three, three times a day? Three times a day was a the day. average. And,
0: and what happened was, the funny kidding. thing was, that wall was my boys, right? Oh, See, I'm, I'm <laughs> blaming, blaming like my excuse. boys right under the bus. <laughs> uh, no, they somehow, John Luke, gravitated to um, donut holes.
1: Oh, those are Duncan so Munchkins,
0: these donut holes. And so we come back with this little like, um, like little, bo- like it like, looks like a little house,
1: right? A little yes. box house, uh, or an old lunch box full of donut holes. I tell you, fresh donuts are so hard to resist for me. I just there's something about. Mm-mm. Well, to be fair, I stopped keto about a month ago, and I gained back like five pounds. So, just a little confession. <laughs> I can't believe how much worse I experience eating food, like a lot of carbs, than I remember. And now that I've gone without carbs and did did keto, and you then- You
0: realize you you talked about keto in the past tense. You okay, did keto.
1: I did it. I'm getting back to it. But just, I was like, oh, I didn't know that you could have this sense of being full, of feeling good, of not having kind of the heavier stomach, whatever. Until I went back to not doing keto, I'm like, oh, I do not like this experience of being the food addiction, the dr- the kind of like, what's next? What's the kind of insatiable need to, you know, eat different foods and sugars? And it's just, well, it's actually not just the carbs, it's sugars that I think I'm more drawn to. So, you know, I got to, I want to give a big shout out. There's several listeners who um,
0: sent me messages, emails um, through mycatholicfaith.org because you can contact me now much more easily. Uh, the the website, if you haven't been to it, please go to the website mycatholicfaith.org, and you'll see there the ability to get free resources, free downloads of videos, audios, and and even uh, PDF versions of books, including my new uh, book on on marriage, marriage a gift from God. But you can also contact me, and so folks have been like sending me encouraging words, and then saying, "Hey, you know what? You can do it!" Like a uh, a modified version of keto you can add in these grains and you can add in these other I'm like oh I like these people. can you add in donuts? I just want to know what's I, I considered good uh, donuts <laughs> just a big version of grains Is, uh, can, can I do that Is that um, so but um, I came back um, here just a couple of days ago and um, I'm like I'm fighting hard again. I'm like I am not gonna go backwards. I'm gonna fight hard to go forwards. And so today I ran the second longest, uh, uh, run. I went on the second longest run I ever did in my life. That's really awesome, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I chose to map my run. And so I chose a run that didn't have a lot of hills on it, but it was 10 miles. So I ran 10 miles today. Um,
1: do you know, I ran the farthest I've run in about two years today. today? Did you really? Is that weird? Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, there's a. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like it's a lot easier to eat healthy and not have to go run for an hour. Just, you know, I, you kind of have to weigh which one is like more time consuming. And do I really want to put all this effort into exercise? I mean, I don't mind exercising, but I just would rather eat healthy and do it that route.
0: So I want to connect though, this run that I did to the triumph of the cross, um, because that's today's feast day. And um, again, you'll experience the cross in the present. Right? A lot of people can experience anxiety about the future in the present, Yes, and that's a sadness. But I'm talking more about emotional suffering, relational suffering, physical suffering, or spiritual suffering. Like each of those dimensions, you experience them in the present. And it is, um, it is one of the biggest challenges in the spiritual life to experience those sufferings and to say, this is a triumph, this is a triumph, rather than this is a failure, this is bad, this is a sign of God's absence, this is a, um, a, an indicator that God is not taking care of me. Those are all very natural ways of responding to emotional, relational, physical, or spiritual suffering right? So, and we can, like, we could talk about what those are, right? Physical suffering people get, right? For that, you get that. But how many people are suffering relationally, right? I think so many people that are listening to me right now, their biggest sufferings are relational because of what their kids are going through, right? What their kids are going through and what they will do to free their kids from emotional suffering, um, we had a family over yesterday because you are really good at inviting people.
1: And Woo-hoo, let's go. <laughs> and then you did it again tonight. I'm sorry. You- I just can't help myself. No, you got that gift. You got <laughs> no, that gift of. Uh, I don't like to plan it ahead of time. I you do like it. spontaneously the spontaneity. Yes. It's the present.
0: I it's am- the present. I like that. Don't anticipate it. Well, we'll tell you about the triumph of the cross in relationships in just a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. I'm joined by my wife, Carrie. And this feast is the triumph of the cross. I mentioned at the very beginning of the program, I just want to kind of give you a reminder, tomorrow and Thursday and Friday during this time, you're going to hear very special programming. It's the Sacred Heart Radio Sherathon. It's the fall Sherathon. And so over the course of those three days, uh, you're going to um, have an opportunity to hear tremendous testimonies. You're still going to hear a good amount of programming through the course of the day. but wonderful testimonies and messages of folks who are just uh, so grateful to God for the gift of Sacred Heart Radio. Uh, during my hour on Sound Insight, I will be on I'm with Ron Belter, the president and general manager of Sacred Heart Radio, and we'll have a chance to to talk. And so you will continue to receive Sound Insight during the course of uh, my hour. And I also, I'll be on a little bit longer. I'll be back in the afternoons as well. So I do encourage you to tune in. And of course, please be praying for the charathon. and also discerning is the Lord asking you, inviting you, calling you to share some of the wealth that he's put into your hands with Sacred Heart Radio. It is a non-profit, listener-supported radio network. And uh, if you were to uh, support us financially, it's a tax-deductible donation, and I do really appreciate that. So I do encourage you to be tuning in over the next days to the Sacred Heart Radio share So So, Kerry, uh, just before the break, we were talking about different kinds of suffering, and, and one of... The kinds that I think is um, most prevalent today is relational suffering, and uh, you said something to me over the break. I thought it, I wasn't even thinking of that, but I'm like, yeah, absolutely, that's so true.
1: Oh, that people are suffering with the whole COVID thing, family members that are vaccinated and not vaccinated, and it, and you see it in in churches as well. But I think it's really hit home with. Um, families wanting to get together, and son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, nieces, nephews, cousins. There's just this divide and this tension, and it's just so sad to see. um, It just feels unnecessary suffering. And there's so much just turmoil in the midst of all of that.
0: Yeah, it brings contention rather than communion. And the sadness is that uh, there's so little room for dialogue. Right, so that people who have a position on on vaccination, non-vaccination, wearing masks, social distancing, right ways of of living and behaving, right 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 ways of relating to uh, the virus in terms of treatment plans, things like that, um, it is so contentious that you know um, why can't everybody just agree with me? Right, I,
1: that's what I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing is that right, everybody believes that they are, no one's saying, you know, I know I'm wrong on this, and uh, I know that I've been misled or I'm not really fully informed or correctly informed. No, people don't say that. So people are very uh, confident and clear about their own positions. And there is so little room for dialogue. So it, it all of a sudden is it has introduced into family lives a degree of division and contention that just wasn't present. And, and that's a great sadness. That's a great sadness. And so there's real, real relational suffering there. Um, something to pray for. I, I don't know, I don't think I have a real, um, I don't have a lot of insight on that other than, um, you know,
1: God work it out. Get off social media. Get off social media. That's my solution. Shut down the TV, (laughs) turn off the Facebook. It's just all annoying.
0: (laughs) But you know, the other type of relational suffering that um, parents have and um, grandparents have is around what's happening in the lives of their kids, right? It it leads to um, a tremendous sense of like um, interior uh, burden. Like I want my child to be in a life-giving situation. Right, I think about, for instance, the joy that you and I experience, have experienced, and we've mentioned this, so we won't kind of belabor it, but and have continued to experience with our daughter at Franciscan University. It's been a really beautiful thing, right? It's like uh, almost every time she calls, she's got another like, put a smile on your face story about how the 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 you know the people that she's met and are hanging around with are like. And joyful Catholics passionately living their faith and really nice kids. And it's like, uh, could we even be, uh, you know, any happier than that? Right. What a beautiful thing. Um, but then contrast that with, you know, the family we met yesterday. So after mass, excuse me, after mass, um, we went over to the hall and, uh, just for some socializing time and, um, we, uh, I know that you and I, I think both do this. Like I seek out a family that I haven't met yet and just go introduce myself and say hi. And uh, you did that.
1: I did it on the way in. Hey, you guys, uh, where are you from? I don't know you. This is who we are. I'm like, oh, we're actually visiting from, for the weekend. I go, oh, you are. You've never been here. Nope. We're from Minnesota. We drove 20 hours to come here this weekend. They have a VRBO and a family of uh, 12. And I was so like, oh, 10 okay. kids, yeah. and they came,
0: <laughs> 10 kids and the two and the they mom all and the dad,
1: two cars. And I said, Oh, yeah, we should, you know, talk afterwards, you guys have plans. Do you have someone showing you around? Do you know much about the area? Nope, never been here. Don't know anyone. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you after mass. And I just, you know, just being friendly and not really counting the cost you saw them before <laughs> before mass? of all the work Did involved. Really? Yeah, yes, yes, before mass is talking to them on the way in Oh wow. And just saying hi to them all. But I didn't know they were new because I'm like I don't know probably a third or half of the parishioners all seem new to me. So I don't know. But they all just look the same. Big families. <laughs> it's like another one. Uh, yes, yeah, so after mass you I introduced you to them.
0: Yeah, and I started talking to the to the mom and then eventually met the dad and they had all their kids there. And they were, I would say, like, if you want to talk about the biggest thing that made them drive 20 hours was relational suffering. It was the longing and yearning in their hearts to have their kids be with other kids who shared a similar outlook on life, had a similar attitude, a similar way of relating their own lives to God and to faith and to the Catholic faith. And that's what they longed for. And they like their jaws dropped open in the coffee and donuts room because they saw their kids talking with other kids that look like them, right? That uh, same age and, um, you know, just sort of similar style. And and so um, when when we were talking with the mom and then you said, well, why don't you all come over for dinner? (laughs) I love that. You I, were so, I, I you had were to do all the work. I don't
1: know why I bothered. I did all the work. Why you? What were you doing for But you, you helped us get, get the house clean. I no. mean,
0: that, that was really good. It was a great strategy to get everybody to get the house clean. I mean, I
1: had to do like all the cooking, which is fine. I enjoyed you did. it. Well, that's, that's your gift. I don't think it is because I don't like to cook. But anyhow, the neat thing about it is they were over talking with some kids, about 20 kids. It wasn't just two or three. And they ended up going out, being invited after they left our house at like yeah the three oldest kids
0: uh, kids uh, 24, 22, and twenty right whatever
1: <laughs> they all went out to uh, downtown car with a bunch of other teenage or young adults which was really neat but what was so cool is this family um, as, as a family came here like the whole group of them <laughs> and so it was so fun to hear how they do prayer how they do the rosary how they do family meetings how they've walked this journey and they live in in different Minneapolis. So just the incredible struggle they've had living in this place that's just been torn apart through um, the George Floyd situation. Is that right? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and just the, you know, they're sharing some of the details of just heart wrenching, gut wrenching. Is it heart wrenching or gut wrenching? It can be both. both. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, they had not just come to our parish or to our area. They had also driven as a family to Sarasota, Florida in April. And then they went to Irving, Texas in May. And so this was like their last... And they went to Kansas. Oh, they went to Kansas uh, too. In June. I mean, as yeah, so. a whole family, this is like their their adventure. I'm like, they're no, tight. You, you stop and you think about it. I just it. can't believe they did all that. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, well, this is how... They? purposeful and intentional
0: and this is how much like a suffering in the present can drive an action can move people forward can dislodge a way of life that maybe wouldn't be dislodged otherwise right so today's feast is the triumph of the cross and one of the paths to a triumph, a, a overcoming something, right? A triumph is more than just a victory. It means overcoming. One of the ways that we overcome a situation that we're in in the uh, in our lives is through suffering because suffering has a great power to detach us. yes, where if we simply were comfortable, if we simply were experiencing a sense of softness and Uh, everything was in order, if there was no suffering, there would be no conversion. And so part of the mystery that today's feast points out is that Jesus invites us to a nearness with him in those places of suffering that afflict our lives because he intends to shepherd us through that suffering to a a true conversion. And and conversion takes the form of redemption. Redemption means being led from slavery to freedom. Sometimes that freedom only comes through suffering. We're up against a break. When we come back, more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. So just before the break, I was uh, saying, Kerry, that suffering has a power to liberate. And, and a, a power to bring about a true triumph. Um, not that it's good in and of itself, but that the Lord uses it to set us free from ways of, of living our own lives that are not good for us, not healthy. Like, I just think of the keto thing, right? So I'm, I've lost 35 pounds and I was, I was you know, I say uh, fat and happy, right? So, but I wasn't happy. Because I was experiencing negative things through how I was eating. And it was only because there was a suffering that was involved in that, that it shook me out of the comfortable lifestyle of, of that, that made me say, I need to change. But the changing process, the conversion process has involved a lot of suffering, but the suffering has been very freeing.
1: Yeah, I was reading in the, the book, Interior Freedom, he talks about badness isn't all bad and the positive side effects of difficulties. And the first advantage is that they prevent us from assuming exclusive ownership of our lives and our time. They prevent us from shutting ourselves up inside our programs, our plans, our wisdom, and they liberate us from the prison of ourselves, our narrow-mindedness and narrowness of judgment. Um and it talks about, you know, God's ways are not our ways.
0: Yeah. Carrie, you remember that phrase that I've used it a few times on the program in the last, I don't know, month or so, but it's, a, it's such a, a pearl of wisdom that if you read the lives of the saints, in Young Saints in particular, uh, a theme shows up that misfortune is a greater blessing than fortune.
1: Yes. And that's what that's saying. The worst thing that could happen is if it, Everything goes your own way. If everything was so fortunate.
0: Oh, I'm so fortunate that I'm not suffering. I'm so fortunate that I'm just surrounded by a security and a degree of independence. I mean, you'd have no
1: growth. You'd have no foil to challenge or to move in a direction of surrender.
0: Yeah. And so you just say what what turns a, a boy into a man is the difficult good. The bonum arduum. It's arduous. It's difficult. It involves suffering. Patience. Patience means the willingness to undergo suffering in the uh, for the sake of a good, for the sake of a good that is not yet realized. And so, uh, you know, in this Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, it's like, my brothers and sisters, um, the, many of you are struggling with misfortunes right now, whether relational, we've just been focusing a little bit on relational sufferings, and look at these relational sufferings. Uh, have done to this family right over the you know these last six months they've driven cross country ish four different times and yet they are like so very grateful Uh,
1: tom got them a realtor the best realtors in town at the church, called the realtor while we are at Mass. Yeah, you're going to see a house? After here house. you go. Let's, let's there. They went over there. the, the time they are leaving our house the last night, we were looking at houses, and they're going to go look at houses tomorrow, like, we're done. We're moving. This is the place. Hands it down. It funny. I was talking to the dad, right, to the husband.
0: And so I was like, so when do you think you'd be moving here, right? And the wife jumped in and said, as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, wow, that's really striking. Um, but- you can see what that suffering dislodges, right? Dislodges us from our attitudes, our ways of looking at our own lives. And and honest to God, think about it. Think about the way that that's true in this COVID reality.
1: Well, I mean, that's how we ended up here too, is the suffering we experienced back in Right. And, and that kind of
0: suffering, like it, it, not everyone experiences it the same way, so not everyone's going to have the same outcome, right? So... Um, but I would say that COVID has introduced a suffering into so many people's lives where the life that you thought you would have for yourself is no longer that thing anymore. Hey, you know, nobody is living the life that they were living two years ago.
1: Well, you know how it shut down all the sports and activities yeah. and we were enjoying that time. Now it's shutting down all the... um All the trade routes. Supply chain. All the supply chains. All the goods that we think we need for Christmas or for birthdays or for whatever. So maybe there's going to be this dislodging of materialism. We'll come to the sense of, do I really need 18 toys at Christmas? Do I really need to have 17 pairs of shoes? Do we really need, just fill in the blank. Because a lot of stuff that we're not getting, it's not needs. It's more just comforts.
0: And it's not even just that, Carrie. Isn't it also just like financially? Like, I don't know how many people are better off financially today than they were 18 months ago. The answer is probably not that many. So just the
1: fact that you would be spending money on things that you don't need. We are
0: on a tighter budget, right? People are on a tighter budget. It's just like, how am I going to, like, imagine, God, how are you taking care of us in the future? How am I going to get a job? What job am I going to have? How is that going to pay when things are impinging upon the uh, the the easy the fortunate way that we were able to have careers
1: so maybe there is this refining of materialism could be yeah I, I was
0: i was talking with um uh jim uh he has a big business hundreds of employees oh yeah okay and he was saying how hard it is to find people in the seattle area he's just like i I'm trying to find certain skilled positions. Does he want to
1: move his business? And it's so difficult. (laughs) Well, he's
0: like, he's like, you know, he can't really do that because there's so many, there's such a, like a dearth of people. He's like, well, you know what I have to do now? It's like, let me take a look at national searches for people who will stay in place to fulfill certain kinds of jobs uh, for his business without even moving. So it's even like the most natural thing to say oh, we have this building, and in this building, we have offices, and in these offices, we put people. Well, no, not anymore. Now it's like, well, if you're gonna manufacture stuff, you gotta do that, but beyond that, you're gonna do other stuff, like non-manufacturing kind of positions. What among them can be done at a distance? And people are gonna do them from homes and doing virtually and all that, if you can't find the workers. So there's a dislodging, there's a severing, right? Oh, how fortunate. No, there's a misfortune here. But somehow that misfortune can open up things that otherwise wouldn't happen to us. So I, I think that it's, um, it's, it's part of that whole Elijah moment, right? Elijah moment, the, the recognition that if the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal, serve him. Choose today whom you will serve. Choose today whom you'll follow. And the people, however, did not respond. Right? The Israelites they didn't wanna have to make the choice because that's a suffering. That's a suffering. Can't I just keep living the life I've been living? Can't I just keep doing that? It's not business as usual. It's just
1: not. It's really not an Elijah moment. It's like Elijah years. <laughs> it's going on and on. I would wish I wish it was a moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's Elijah year and a half right now. So um anyway, so Kerry, that's just um uh, for me, that's, that, that's a, it's like a, a way of helping understand this feast day that the Lord Jesus Christ draws close to us and he draws close to us with so many blessings that are direct signs of his love for us. They're comforting, they're consoling. They allow us to experience peace and prosperity, abundance. And we should be very grateful for that. We shouldn't be afraid of asking for that. We shouldn't, be, uh, we shouldn't say, oh, the Lord doesn't have that for us. Um, at the same time, there are even greater graces than fortune. And those greater graces are harder to accept and receive. Those are the graces connected to misfortune. Those are the being tried by fire. Those are the sufferings. Those are the the painful dislodgings, uprootings, and uh, severing connection to attitudes and ways of looking at our own lives that the Lord in his mercy allows to, to strike us but he doesn't he doesn't intend for us to experience them alone. He's like, walk with me the path of the cross. Walk with me the path of the cross because this will lead to a resurrection. For some of you here and now, for others of you uh after after death in heaven. And and it's it's a beautiful reminder that heaven's our true home. Right?
1: And then that you walk with hope and faith and love. In all those areas, that it's not desolate, it's not emptied. Yeah, walking with faith, hope, and
0: love means walking with trust, confidence, and delight. That's what faith, hope, and love are. Nice. That says that, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you no matter what is happening to me. I trust in you. You're trustworthy, Lord. Second is I've got confidence. I've got confidence that you made promises to me, and you're faithful to your promises. And so I'm I'm a person of hope. I'm never going to leave hope and delight. Even in the midst of the most difficult challenges and trials, there is a a part of me that is beyond the reach of those trials. In the core of my being, in the heart of hearts, there alone the Lord dwells, and there alone he will communicate to me a delight that may only be accessible to me because of the suffering. That The doorway to that delight is a doorway that is marked by misfortune. And so we don't have to ask for it. But let's not be surprised when it comes. The Lord loves us enough to say, I want you to be cleansed. I want you to be renewed. I want you to be unbound. I want you to be set free. I want you to experience the triumph of the cross. I want you to experience the grace of misfortune that will lead you to a greater abundance than you would have known had you not experienced misfortune. Well, Carrie, Thanks for being with me today. Sure. All right. God bless you all. And again, just remember tomorrow, uh special programming the rest of the week on Sound Insight. It's the Sacred Heart Radio Marathon. God bless you all and talk to you tomorrow.